hey, welcome back to Forgiven AF Podcast. This is a second chance podcast. We use this as marketing material for our mentorship program. Um, first of all, I just want to thank everyone for taking the time and actually listening to these podcasts. It's still super like humbling to me, and I still can't believe that we have people that take 30, 45 minutes, even an hour sometimes, and listen to me ramble about things that are going on with our mentorship program, but I'm really appreciative of it. I want to kind of give you a quick update. So we are having our next meeting on the 30th. I have a couple really cool speakers coming to speak to the boys. One of them is a retired cowboy who was a linebacker when back with Emmett Smith when they won a bunch of Super Bowls named Eugene Lockhart. I think they called him the hitting machine. So he's going to come talk to our boys, share like his testimony, kind of some of the stuff he's gone through after football and just kind of share some hope with the boys. We also have another guy named Keyshawn Simmons. And he's going to come. He started a financial literacy app that teaches the boys how to make investments and how to like just how to be smart with money. And I think that's going to be a really huge asset for these boys. And we're going to give each boy $50 for the app so that they can kind of play with the money and see what they can learn. So that'll be cool. And then after that, we'll go do our community service. We have a street that we've adopted in Mansfield. So we'll go and clean up the two mile stretch of street. And then after that, we go and get lunch. So that's the that's next month's agenda. That'll be on the, actually this month, later this month. That'll be on September 30th. And then lastly, one thing that I always forget to do, and it's really important, it can really help us push the podcast to the next level, is reviews, y'all. If uh, I hate to feel like I'm begging, but if you get anything out of any one of these episodes, if you could just go to like Apple Podcasts or even Spotify and just drop us a review on the show, it doesn't have to be like long or crazy, but just anything could could really like help us get this out to the next level. And I just hope that some some piece of information that we share sometime will be able to help somebody. And I really feel like today's episode also, um, I think there's going to be a lot of knowledge dropped to help anybody who's ever tried to overcome any sort of, uh, you know, addiction or, you know, getting out of prison, things that I've gone through. Um, our guest today has kind of gone through a lot of similar things and he's, it's really blessed me having him in my life. So I'm excited to be able to share a lot of the content with you here. Um, our, a lot of you know, you've heard me say it a couple of times, our really only sponsor so far of the show has been uh, Trinity West Roofing and Construction. Um, they've actually blessed the show to where we're able to, you know, keep going with this. And it's something that means a lot to me. And I'm really excited that, you know, one of the co-owners of Trinity West is here with us today. And his name is Brian Burns. And I just, we have very similar past. And I just think that this episode will bring a lot of, uh, just a lot of information to someone who's trying to change their life and, you know, go in a better direction. So Brian, first of all, thank you so much for being here, dude. I know that I just asked you last minute. I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, but I just, it's, you know how it is. So yeah. first of all, if you could just kind of start off by uh, telling our listeners kind of like who you are, where you're from, kind of like what sort of upbringing you had, you know, where, what caused you to go to prison. And then we'll just kind of like reset from there. Sounds good, man. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a uh, great opportunity to come on here, share my story, and hopefully, hopefully be able to help somebody else overcome some of these same obstacles that you and I have both faced, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm Brian. I'm, I'm from Los Angeles, California. I uh, grew up in Southern California doing all the Southern California things, skateboarding, uh, playing sports. Man, I grew up in a house that was filled with love, um, of course, with the, the common amount of uh, typical dysfunction, but we were a family that loved each other, man. Uh, I got a younger brother and sister uh, that I, I absolutely love and adore. Um, you know, growing up playing sports, man, I, I stayed out of trouble, dude, for the, the most part of my young adult life. And then it wasn't until I was 13, 14 that I started getting out there and starting experimenting with stuff. And, 
man, I should have known right away, man, I was different than others, right? Because where my friends were just, you know, oh, maybe maybe we'll just smoke a little bit, a little weed or, you know, drink a few beers um, and then and then go back to school Monday and not even worry about it. Man, I obsessed over it. You know, like I sat there and thought and thought and thought and I couldn't wait for that next drink or that next smoke or whatever the case may be. Um, and I should have known right then and there that I wasn't your typical uh, kid that used recreationally, man. I was an, an, an addict. Um, so, man, I, I grew up kind of, you know, experimenting and becoming an addict at an early age. Uh, got my life together kind of at 21, came to Texas uh, with a child. Um, after that, shortly had two more kids. And life was good, man. Like, I, I stayed away from the hard stuff, man, but I still drank. I still smoked. Um, you know, pop a couple pills here and there. Um, and I really just... I was trying to do the whole family thing and things were good, man. And then, you know, there was a, a couple of things that had happened, some some tragedies. You know, I lost my mom, uh, went through a divorce, uh, lost a, a career that I had had. And the first thing I did, man, was I resorted back to drugs. And, you know, the, unfortunately, drugs led me into the selling of drugs. Um, that took me to prison and I swore it was going to change my life. I got out, did a little good for a short amount of time, and then quickly messed up and was doing the, the same exact thing. So I went back to prison uh, for the second time, did three years, and then got out April of last year. Dude, so there's so much in what you just said that, like, when I'm listening to you, my head's just going ding, 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 because it sounds so similar to me. I was the exact same way. I started using about 13 years old, and I was the same way. Like, I was, I would literally would my friends would be able to just do it on the weekends. And then I'm waking up early before school and going to the woods and smoking before school. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the same way. And I started taking pills and I started getting, you know what I mean? It was always like, where's the next thing? What's the next thing? How do I get more? And so that hits right on. One thing that I want to hit on real quick, you talked about that kind of going through a divorce and then your, your mom passing. Is that, yeah. Um, yeah. do you feel that uh, self-pity like played any role in you, you know, relapsing? Like kind of, did you ever like feel sorry for yourself? Like, oh, oh. I was a hundred percent the victim, dude. I wasn't getting high because I was a screw up that didn't know how to deal with emotions. Right. I was a, a, an addict and I was using because my mom passed and I was an addict and I was using because I was going through a divorce and feel sorry for me. You should understand why I want to get high and why I can't put this down because I didn't know how to deal with anything. So that was my resort to it. So that's right? so me. That's, that's yeah. what made me realize that. Cause I was just wondering if, cause a lot of times when, when us as addicts, when we go through anything, a lot of times there's even times where I've like almost wanted something bad to happen in my life because then I could use that as an excuse to go relapse. Yeah. Isn't that sick? Like, well, it's, no, it's not sick. It's what we deal with, man. That's called a reservation. Like, yeah. you know, for me, it was like, well, I don't know what I'll do if my mom dies. Right. So I, I kind of stepped away from the, the heart of drugs at 21, but at 34, when she came to Texas, died randomly in the, in the hotel room, the second night she was here, that was my reservation. It was like, boom, immediately that was my excuse, right? Yeah. You felt justified. In yeah, it. absolutely. And like I said, I was the victim, man. It wasn't my fault. You know, nothing's ever my fault. It wasn't, you know, until way later in life. And, uh, I changed that I was able to actually take some accountability and responsibility. So let's life. talk about the second time you went to prison, right? The yeah. second time. Did you decide in prison that you wanted to do right and change your life? Or was it something like, were you living? Cause a lot of people don't realize just because you're in prison doesn't mean that you're going to live a good life. Yeah. There's just as many drugs, if not more, <laughs> in prison. People don't realize that, that there are on the street, right? Yeah. So your second, the bid before you came home and took everything serious, were you, how were you living that life in prison? 
So it was, well, first of all, let me reiterate, you're absolutely right. Anything that you can get in the street, anything you want in the world, you can absolutely get in prison with the right amount of money and knowing the yeah. right people. Um, it wasn't before I even got to prison, man, I, I had hit county jail and because I was on the run from parole, I had a blue warrant. So obviously I'm not getting out no matter what. Right. Well, at that moment, knowing that I've hurt my kids again, I've hurt my, I've disappointed my family. I've let myself down, man. I was given the gift of desperation. And I, at that point, before I even got to prison said, this is it, man, I've got to do something different. I've got to do something that's going to make sure that I do not end, end up back here. It was kind of a bitter pill to swallow because I knew I was going to have to do time. Yeah. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to use that time constructively and to uh, better myself and, and learn about myself and grow so that when I hit the streets, I was able to, you know, do the, the positive things that I wanted to do. So what sort of things in prison were you able to do that were like positive? And so if, let's say there's someone who's in prison right now who's listening to this. Mm -hmm. What sort of things would you recommend that they get involved in in prison and not have to wait for the street to like start making changes? So first of all, man, I made sure not to do do what a lot of people do, um, which is just sit around, gamble, play dominoes, you know, not do anything constructive or productive or healthy. Right. Yeah. So I took a bunch of classes, um, an OSHA class. I did, you know, a uh, cognitive therapy class, you know, different classes like that to kind of get myself better. But I'll tell you the two biggest things that, that helped me while I was in prison was church and getting into AA. Laying down that that foundation of recovery and a higher power definitely um, increased the chances or the odds that I was going to be a success once I hit the street. And it's so cool because, and we're going to talk about this probably in more detail later, is, but you still walk that out every day in your life right now. Like I called you the other day. You were like, hey, man, I'm just finishing up a meeting. You okay? I was like, yeah, all right. I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll call you back. Yeah. Like, So you're still walking that life and you're still at church with me every Sunday. And yeah. it's funny that a lot of times people make jokes or they think it's funny that like, oh, you found God in prison. You're going to leave your Bible at the door. You know what I mean? That's a real common thing that people think is funny. Um, but me and you are both examples of someone who's walked that out even afterwards. You know don't, what I mean? Don't get it twisted, man. I did that the first time I wasn't went to prison, man. I was like, oh, holier than now. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to do this. But as soon as I got released, it was like, God, who? So what you was know? different the second time? Like I said, it was like I was about to go do a second trip in prison. And once you hear that gavel bang on that judge's, de judge's uh, uh, desk that you're going to be gone for some calendar years, reality sets in, yeah. right? And I knew that for so many years of my life, man, I tried changing and I just was impossible. So like I said, I was given the gift of desperation, right? So I, I was desperate to do whatever it took, however it took, however long it took to make sure that I could change for the better. That's good. So... After you're released, so you're about to get released, let's even say about to, for, for your final time, mm -hmm. um, how, were you nervous or scared or like, you know, like, cause I was terrified about coming out and yeah. being able to stay clean. Like I almost doubted myself. You know, honestly, I was, yeah, absolutely, man. That's a, a very common thing, whether, you know, men like to admit it or not, but you, you know, you've been gone for some years. Yeah. You're absolutely worried. And, and if you're anything like me, once you're an addict, you know, all it takes is one bad day, one dumb decision to go right back off to the races and go right back to where you were. So, of course, I was nervous. I was scared. Um, but I also had that fire inside, man. Like to me and I know as an addict, I'm supposed to say never will I ever because Lord knows that's happened to me many times. But, man, I had a fire burning inside of me, man. I did not want to come back. I did not want to continue living the life that I had led. Didn't want to continue hurting my kids. I didn't want to continue letting myself down. 
So yes, I was nervous, but it was almost like a nervous excitement. Like a good thing that you yeah, could use yeah, it as yeah. motivation. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, one of the things that I want to hit on that's to me that I want to say about you, which really impressive is how you put your kids first now. Like, yeah. it's really cool to watch your relationship with your kids. Like, it actually makes me want to like low key, like want to cry right now. But it's like, just seeing you with your son and knowing how much our boys need us, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and just thinking about like, dang, it's we haven't completely messed it up. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, we somebody if there's anyone out there listening to this right now who might not be in a you know full on relationship with their kids, it's not too late to fix it. And I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're fifty. Yeah. Like it's not too late, and those kids still need you. Yeah. No, you know you're I mean? absolutely so right. Like, and you know the, the the fact of the matter is, you know, and and I want to make it very clear, I'm no longer ashamed of my past and the mistakes that I've made or the pain that I've caused. I regret a lot of it, but I don't have any condemnation. I'm not ashamed of it. I'll talk about it with whoever wants to ask. But for a long time, I was not a good father. I was not a present father. I paid bills. I may have sent some child support here and there, but I was not a good dad. So getting out, you know, that's one of the areas I wanted to focus on was making sure that I could be as present as possible. Uh, making sure that I could be as emotionally available as possible and also just making sure I could be the role model that they desperately, desperately need these days. You know, yeah. a lot of, you know, you hear it all the time about, you know, these, these kids that get into the same situations we do. And even though it wasn't my experience, it tends to lead to bad opportunities, bad decision-making when, when the father's not present. So I wanted to make sure that I could mitigate those damages and just make sure that I could, yeah, keep them a yeah, priority. That's good. That's good. And you're doing that and you're walking it out. And isn't it cool? Doesn't it feel good? It does. It absolutely does, man. Seeing, you know, my, my son on the sideline of a football game and he wants to talk to me and give me a hug, man. Like, you, you want to talk about getting emotional, man. I, I, I was about emotional, to say, dude. bro. Like, I'll, it's rough. <laughs> I'll never forget my second year out and my son's playing football. And he goes out on the field, and it might have been the only tackle he made all year. Like, he got out there, and he made an awesome tackle. And the first – oh, I got to say this without crying. And the first thing he did yeah. was turn and find me. Yeah. Like, where's my dad? You know what I mean? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. dad. Did yeah. you see that, dad? And I just couldn't wait. Like, yes. And, like, to think about, like, man, like, it would have been e – I could have easily missed this. Like, yeah. and there's a lot of dads that are missing this. And think about all those kids that are – I mean, that's the sole purpose behind my mentorship is, like, that's what my heart is. Yeah. If there's so many boys out there that don't have that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, think about that hole inside of them when they make a tackle and they don't have anyone to turn to that's like, they're looking for them excited. And it's a lot of kids. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a rough, rough life to live, you know, because as, as men, we're meant to be role models to our sons, right? Yeah. And our daughters too. Like yeah. not just, you know, and I don't want to take away um, the importance of being there for your daughter as well. But as a son, you know, you you need to show them how to be a man yeah. and how to be responsible and how to live an honest life yep. and, and, and everything else. And yeah, it's absolutely That's imperative. Good. We say that all the time is how do you know how to be a man if you've never seen it modeled? Like right. If, you know what I mean? If yeah. you've never seen it modeled for you, because every man, this is something that, and I just posted this the other day, Steve Harvey said, every boy whose dad's left has a hole on the inside of them, the shape of their dad. Mm -hmm. And they're going to find somebody to fill that hole. And if it's not you, it's going to be an actor, rapper, 
some gang member in the street that shows them just a little bit of attention because they're, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's so hopefully well, and that, that hole can not only be filled by a person, but it could also be filled with drugs and alcohol 100%. addiction to, to womanizing, yep. you know, manipulation line. You could fill that. that hole with, with anything. All that. And most of it's stuff that's not necessarily the healthiest for your son. For sure. And that's, that's really good too. So let me see. What advice do you have for somebody who, um, and you you pretty much hit on this already, what you're going to say, but I want to make sure that it's put out there so someone is like listening and say, okay, what steps do I need to take? Not prison-wise, what steps or what do you do on a daily when you are fighting temptation or like, did your mind ever go back to, do you ever have thoughts of using anymore? Is it like <laughs> All the time, man. I'm an addict through and through, you know what I mean? Like, um, actually just recently I got my parole elevated to a, a new level of supervision and instead of going in once a month and reporting once a month and drug testing once a month, she was like, man, just go ahead and call me every three months and I'll come check out your house once a year. And I was like, do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know how bad Please of an idea that. that's an Please idea? Please don't do that. Like, check out all these charges I got. They're all drug related. That's a terrible idea because the first thing I think as an addict is, yeah. man, I can get high, right? Yep. Um, so advice for, for people that are, are wanting to overcome temptation or, or wanting to begin to make that change, right? Yes. Um, the first thing for me, man, was completely disappearing from all the people, places, and mm. things I used to go, right? That's good. You know, if if somebody hits me up from the past that um, I used to run with, you know, I'll tell them, like, hey, dude, if you want to see me, man, come check me out at a meeting. Come meet me at church. You know, come meet me at one of these positive, healthy places oh, I go so to. Um, if they're serious, they'll show up to one of those things. You know I've actually I mean? had it happen, man. It, it, and it's such a blessing and it fills your heart because you're like, dude, if I can just see somebody else succeed, cause you know, yeah. we've all been there, we've all been down, we've all been beat up, you know, like by life and stuff like that. So you're seeing anybody else come up and, and do well, yeah. man, that fills your spirit, fills your soul. And just so if anyone is taking that part and that's only the first one of your tips, right? So remember where you're at is, okay. is change those people, but that's a hard step. It's it hard is. because... As an addict and as especially with selling drugs, like I actually lied to myself and believed that these people were my friends. Right. Like I was the man, I was the one selling drugs, right? So yeah. I had all these fake people that couldn't care less about me, but I had, I kind of fell in love with that being the man and that power of being the man. Yeah. Oh, Sean, you're my best friend. Let me get two for five. You know, just that <laughs> whole, um, I ate that up. Even though I knew in my heart it wasn't real, yeah. it's still, I like that attention and the power that it came behind it. Yeah. So there was a lot of people that when I got arrested that just disappeared and weren't around anymore that like, I, it bothered me. Like it actually hurt me. And I was like, man, I thought these people would be writing me and checking on me. And so that, I, it's a great piece of advice and you have to cut that off if you want to stay out of it. Absolutely. But it, understand that it is hard. It, yeah, no, it's, you know, there, there's not one thing and I'm not Superman or like some superhuman or nothing like that, dude. Every single step that I've taken has been difficult, yeah. hard. Uh, I've questioned it. I've worried about it, you know? Um, and, and like you said, you know, so for me, I was addicted to drugs, right? But I was also addicted to that fast life. I was addicted to that, um, validation and that attention and that, uh, desire to want to be wanted or needed, even though it was fueled by a completely unhealthy um, tactic, you know, by selling drugs, yeah. um, I was able to fill that part of of me, and I became addicted to that almost as much as I became addicted to the actual drugs themselves. I was, I was definitely addicted to being the man. Like, you know, you come to a party and they sneak you off to the back to, you know what I mean? Like that, your I, backpack on, yeah, dude, literally, <laughs> like that. 
I think that it was an insecure. I have a major insecurity in my life, and selling drugs like filled that and made me feel important and valuable. And you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because you're right. Just like you, man, I struggle with that same insecurity, yeah. right? Like, you know, now that I don't have that, well, what do I have to offer? And that's something that you know, one of the struggles I've had along with coming out. It's like, well, now that I'm not the man, now that I don't have all these things that people want, what do I have to yeah. offer, right? And that's the the devil wants us to feel like that. The devil wants us to feel insecure. You don't have none to offer. You're worthless. Like, who are you, right? <laughs> You're just some tattoo I'm gonna be, felon, man. Let's you ain't be, nobody. Let's be fully transparent. When I asked you to come on this show and do this, mm-hmm. Brian, you were like really? Like you want me to come on the show? And and bro, yeah. I was more like, dude, I hope he'll do this. I hope he'll do this. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But that's the way our minds think, but it just shows your heart that you're humble that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm excited. So, oh, that you, that's only two steps now, right? Right. So okay. you just, you got to disappear from everybody. Right. Okay. Um, also did, you know, not doing the same things, not doing the, the, you know, going to the same locations, the same activities. Right. Um, and that's tough to do, especially when you're out of prison, you don't have a lot going on. You don't have, you know, you typically walk out with not a car, not, you know, a bunch of friends or nothing like that. So what do you do? Right. You end up putting healthy habits in your life. That's actually how I met you is, you know, getting out of prison and I joined second chance fitness and was going to another gym and everything that I could think of healthy wise to do. I added to my schedule. That's so good. You know, staying busy. Um, so yeah, staying away from people, places, and things that you used to do, uh, replacing those things with with now healthy habit habits, and man, staying committed, man. Like it, you know, it's easy to fall off track. It's easy to lose interest. But like I said, man, I was blessed with the, the gift of desperation. I was blessed with, man, I'll do whatever it takes, you know. So I've had that desire to just really want to just push forward and just keep growing and evolving and maturing and everything else. That's good. So. So we got, so those are two things we said, we got to stay away from all the old people, find new things and new things to do. The first thing that goes through my mind is game rooms. Like I know I got to stay away from game rooms. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why, I don't know why that just went there with that, but that was like, that was that life when it came to those drugs and staying away from those type of environments. Um, Let's see. And then what else would you add to that? So that's two things. And then I know you're big on your AA program. I was going to say that that was next, man. Finding a place to recover, whether, you know, and and AA is not for everybody. Some people like NA, some people like Celebrate Recovery, some people like Winter Circle. There's a thousand different places you can go to get recovery. But staying active in the recovery community was vital for me because it just reiterated that I don't need to go back. And and I'll say that one of the biggest blessings that I found with AA, right, is that drugs and alcohol were never my problem. My problem was how to deal with life. Dude, how do I deal with heartbreak? How do I deal with grief? How do I deal with loss? How do I deal with frustration and anger and, and all these things that we as men or, or we as people deal with? Yeah. So my resort and my solution to that was get high, get drunk, and ignore it, right? Yeah. Um, AA and working the steps and getting a sponsor has definitely given me the tools to be able to deal with these things without having to escape, without having to numb, without having to bounce away because I just couldn't couldn't deal with it. That's so good. Um, I think the sponsor thing is a huge part because it goes right in line with finding a mentor, right? Yeah. And I feel like uh, sponsors, mentors, what they do is they bring in a level of accountability. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. You know what I mean? If we don't have anybody to be accountable to, if it's just us left to our own devices by ourselves and no one to to you know hold ourselves to a higher standard to it's very easy because 
we've fallen off on ourselves over <laughs> and over and over again. You know what I mean? So if it takes no, uh, my my best thinking took me to prison. My best thinking yeah. got me to be addicted. You know, and not only is it being held accountable, but for me, um, one of the things that helped is man, they've walked this out before, right? So when I'm like, well, what do I do in this situation? I could trust that they've been through those things. Yeah. So it was their experience and their accountability um, to kind of help walk me through these these steps that are so important. And even though there there's not many of them, there's only 12, um, they can be tough to navigate if you're trying to do it on your own. Yeah, for sure. That's good, man. And I think, I think those three pieces of right there are really what it takes. Yeah. Avoid all people, avoid old places and get yourself in some sort of a program with a sponsor mentor and accountability and i think that yeah. if you follow those and take those serious you're pretty much you're setting yourself up you're, you're definitely increasing your odds to be successful man and, yeah. and i was going to do everything i could to to stack all the odds in my favor because as a felon and as an addict all the odds are stacked against you right that's why our recidivism rate is so high in, so in high. texas and across america really yeah. um i had to stack the, the chips in my favor to be successful. That's good. Another thing that, uh, what I've seen is a lot of times as men, we, and this is going to roll into our next segment. It just kind of rolls in perfectly, but a lot of times we get out of prison. Now we're a felon, right? Mm -hmm. And the first thing that you have to do to be for one for parole or probation, or just to be successful in life is find a way to make money. Right. Yeah. We know a fast way to make money. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, we're also kind of scared. Oh, now I'm a felon. We got these stipulations Then no one wants to hire me. I'm, I'm not good enough to. So, and I'm excited about going into this because this is, you've changed my life with this. So um, what sort of, how did you, what did you do financially when you got out of prison to kind of get yourself set up? Man, I was super blessed, man, because between the the first and second trip to prison, I had found that the whole roofing game, right? And I could apply the same principles of selling dope to selling roofs. And for me, man, it just, it was a good fit. Um, I've always been a hustler, a grinder. I work hard. So it was something that just, that, that worked well. Um, so getting out, man, like I had a few offers for a new fruit of a few different roofing companies, and man, I hit hit the ground running, dude. I wasn't out three days and I was already out there knocking doors, ready to sell roofs. You know, like I, I was ready to go, man. And, you know, I, I just attacked it with a tenacity that, man, it's either feast or famine, man. And I'm not trying to starve. You yeah, know what I mean, man. like that's my thing. And um, I was able to, to, to be successful at it. I love that. I remember right away when I when you first tell me what you did for a living, you were like, dude, yeah, I'm selling roofing. And I love it. You were like, and I love it. Yeah. And I always wondered like, man, what? So I started talking to a buddy about mine before, like, cause I have so, I had so much free time and I was like, man, how do I get into this roofing thing? You know? And he, the company he worked for, he, you know, asked for me and they were like, oh yeah, you know, you start training, you got to, you know, be there at seven until six each day, you know, for three months. And then you finally get on your own. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. I have the gyms, you know? Um, yeah, for me, man, it, you know, first of all, I'm outside, I'm not trapped in an office. You know, for me, that's perfect, dude. I don't have um, a, a schedule that I got to follow. I write the schedule. You know, if I want to work this day, I work this day. If I don't, I want to go fly to California to go see my family. That's what I do. Yeah, so cool. it gave me a ton of flexibility. Um, the money that I make or the money that's a- available to make if you're willing to grind is yeah, it's not something guys. that you're, you weren't, we weren't making that illegally. No. You know what I mean? Not, we definitely man. weren't making definitely money like not. that illegally. We might have seemed like we were. We might have got time for it like we were, but <laughs> no, that's not, we're, we're all users. We're using it all. And, yeah. you know, the money that we did make, we wasted because we didn't take it serious. It was all, all just temporary, man. So, how did you make the step to you guys opening your own company? How did Trinity West come about? So, uh, me and my partner, man, we, we had worked together at this, the first work roofing company that I'd got out 
uh, a prison, started working with. Um, it was actually a new company, so it was very familiar to me how to start from the ground up, right? Uh, I met my, my partner, Garrett, and we just were a success. And no matter what we did, we were successful, man. Everything we touched turned to gold. We were blessed in like doing more roofing, more sales than I've, I didn't even know was possible. Um, and then we just got the idea like, man, we're making all these other people all this extra money, man. Like, why aren't we doing this for ourselves? Why aren't we building houses for our family? Why aren't we investing in our kids' futures with, with, with college? And why are we not, you know, taking these, this money that we're making and make it work for us by starting other businesses and stuff like that? So the, the idea was born and, and luckily I have a partner that wasn't scared and, you know, he was ready to pull the trigger and it was like, man, let's roll. He's an awesome guy too, man. Garrett Tidwell is a great guy and, and, uh, since you guys have given me the opportunity to come and work for Trinity West, and you guys have taught me how to do this. It's already financially changed my family's life by being able to not just have to, because the gym is so up and down, right? Like it, yeah. do you have a month where the gym's good and you have three months with it. It all depends on seasonal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember me and you went to that, a, me and you went to that a meeting that day. And then we all went out to lunch afterwards mm -hmm. and you guys were like, Hey man, like if you want to do this, like we could just show you real quick and you can be on your own doing it, you know? So I recruited my wife to get back in the game and, <laughs> and I've really enjoyed uh, working for you guys, man. It's really fun. Well, you're, you're, of, you're, you're absolutely killing it, dude. You and Christy fun. are doing great. And yeah, Garrett, I couldn't have asked for anybody that could be a better partner and, yeah. and not even just the roofing thing, but as a friend, you know, as a believer, he's a, a sober dude. Yep. He's got a great wife and a, and a cool son, pretty cool dogs. Um, <laughs> You know, like, so I'm, I'm super blessed. Like I said, the, the people that I've surrounded myself with has paid dividends in my success with recovery, with business, with, you know, just maturing, growing. Like, I've been super thankful for that's, it. That's really awesome, dude. I'm, I'm really proud of you, man. Like, I know I tell you this all the time, but I'm really proud of you. And uh, just having you in my life has been huge for me. You know what I mean? Cause I, and that's so crazy to me, Sean, man. I love you to death, dude. You know this, and I've told you this, man. But I'm, I'm, I aspire to be like you, man, somebody that's used his past to – to, to help others and somebody that, that continues to make strides in, in becoming a good father and, and a good, you know, uh, mentor and stuff like that, man. So it's cool to hear you say that, man. And it humbles me because, man, I aspire to be like you and I'm so blessed to have you well, in my life. I'm glad we're locked in there. You know what I mean? For real. I love you, dude. I love you too. Man. So last thing, last thing, I'm gonna let you go. Um, and this is something that we ask everybody on the show. Yeah. And it's something that's really important to me um, because I feel like there's so many things that I wish I knew at 16 that if I would have known now, I would have been able to stay out of trouble, you know? So I kind of like at the end of each podcast, I like to ask the guests and just say, Hey man, like if you could give yourself or a 16 year old kid, um, a piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice, um, that you wish you knew then, uh, what would it be? So I've, I've, I put some thought into this cause I've obviously listened to the podcast. Right. And, um, there's really two pieces that, that come to mind. And the first one is dude, everything that you think is cool is not cool. You know, just remember to check yourself, dude. These things that you think are so awesome and important and um, uh, defining who you are as a man or as a person at 16, when you're 21, 25, 30 Won't and older, be important, yeah. and all that means nothing. That's and good. you'll find that the, the true value in, uh, in being a man and, and stuff like that. But the other thing is, and I wish I had known this, not just at 16, I wish I had known this at 25 and at 30 and at 35, and it wasn't until later years in life that I learned this, but... Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Mm. It's a sign of strength. Well, wow, that's Whether really it's, good. You know, emotional, physical, mental, spiritual. You know, if, if you're struggling, man, ask. You know, you'd be surprised at how many people are willing to help or willing to talk or willing to guide you in the right direction 
and and unfortunately is men like man i got this yeah. you know I, I don't need no help i'll just i'll just strap up and do it myself yeah man worst mistake and worst advice that i ever got was that yeah dude just just can't just handle it man my thinking is not great dude that's, i need somebody else that knows what they're doing man to be able so to help good, me with dude. this and yes yeah, asking for help is definitely not a sign of weakness it's a it's a sign of strength and i absolutely encourage it that's one of the best ones that we've had that someone shared that's so important because at 16 we think we know everything man we're not asking anyone for help you we're gonna tell me nothing yeah no we think we had it all figured out and the cool thing is that's great for a 16 year old but it's also cool for that 45 year old that's struggling with depression and suicidal ideations because you know what that we we don't realize that we can reach out and ask people for help everyone's so scared oh they're gonna think i'm a wuss they're gonna think i'm soft they're gonna yeah no, bro, like reach out and ask for help. No one wants to see you gone. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I mean. and I don't just mean to take it to a suicide level, but there's a lot of people that won't ask for help. No, no. They won't and, see and, counselors. And, you know, like and if you look back at, you know, and I, I try and be conscious of this with my kids, you know, as a kid, it was, you know, you, you tell your kids or you get told like, man, be a big boy. Don't cry. You know, are you, are you being a baby? You know, type of stuff. And, and unfortunately that resonates and, and just sinks its teeth into our brains to where it's something we deal with for a long period of time until you come to the conclusion that man it's okay to cry it's okay to cry it's yeah. okay to cry i'm a baby dude <laughs> yeah now that i'm and i'm clean and everything <laughs> yeah. else dude I, dude I see one of those army videos where dad comes home man <laughs> son starts hugging dude i'm boohooing like oh it's, it's so going true. out of style that's so true but yeah mental mental health is is a thing the struggle is real man spiritual physical man ask for help that's Absolutely. so good dude that's so good so remember, if you guys need any uh, sort of roofing needs, hail damage, anything, you know, you can reach out to Trinity West Roofing and Construction. Um, but remember, y'all, that's it. But uh, I want you to remember, you guys, that you're loved and you're forgiven and there's really nothing that you can do about it. So thank you guys for tuning in and uh, hopefully I'll get you back here on next week with the next episode. All right, y'all. Love you. Bye.